a reading from Amos chapter 5, 21 through 24. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offering of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness, righteousness like the ever-flowing stream. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're going to be starting on a little uh, quick series uh, called Major Messages from Minor Prophets. And uh, we start today with Amos, a very uh, interesting character. Before we dive in, I kind of want to explain this series a little bit. First, I need to explain why this series. We are in an interesting time in human history. Um, every time I uh, pull up the news, it seems like 2020 has gotten more and more and more ridiculous. But each one of these moments, each one of these things that have happened in our world in just the past couple of months bring up very important things for us to understand. That in all of this, in every single bit of it, human lives matter. Human lives are at the forefront. And what it means to be human is called into question. And so we're going to be talking through the minor, minor prophets for a little bit. The minor prophets um, are not, they're not called the minor prophets because they were less than other prophets, uh, like the major prophets who are um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, those are considered the major prophets. The minor prophets are not less than some of the major prophets. It's rather they're called the minor prophets because their books are shorter than the major prophets whose books are longer. Uh, that's really the only key distinguishing factor. Other than that, all of these prophets came about in a similar time frame. It was between the time uh, that, that Israel was divided between the northern and southern kingdom, the northern kingdom being Israel and the southern kingdom being Judah, and all the way up until the time uh, in which Israel was, Israel was overthrown by the Assyrians and cast into exile. Then the, uh, Judah was overthrown by the Babylonians and cast into exile. And then the Persians rise up in the midst of it all and take over the Assyrians and what are, what's left of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and inherit uh, the Jews from Israel and Judah. And then the Persians allow, uh, allow them to return home and to rebuild. And so that's it. There's a lot of stuff going on in what's really only about 200 year time span. And this is about the time whenever the minor prophets show up. One, and each time the minor prophets show up, they're showing up with a very particular message. And the message is either all of this bad stuff is about to happen, or all of this bad stuff is happening because of the failings of the people. In other words, at each point in which the prophets are speaking, they are speaking to the people saying, you've brought this on yourselves because you have failed to love one another. 
You have brought this hurt, this heartache, this suffering on yourselves because you haven't been there for each other in the way that you were called. And sure enough, if you read through the history of Israel and Judah, I mean, multiple points in time, not only are they uh, being frivolous with, you know, whatever God they're pursuing, they're also stealing from each other, treating each other poorly, condemning each other, uh, classifying each other into different categories. I mean, it's just a whole mess of things. And then comes the suffering. And the minor prophets are there to call them back to, the, back to the love of God, saying, just recognize what you're doing. Understand that everything that's going on can be resolved if we simply seek out justice. Justice is an interesting word, and it often shows up um, in, the, uh, in the prophets, both minor and major, alongside another word righteousness. Their Hebrew words are uh, uh, mishpat and tzedakah. Mishpat and tzedakah, justice and righteousness, these words are very important to this Old Testament time frame and into the New Testament time and on into modern day society. Justice is, uh, I mean, you know, treating people equitably, treating people fairly. Righteousness is living rightly. And these two things intersect on so many different ways. And what the minor prophets are trying to, trying to get us to recognize is that we are being called into a life of justice and righteousness. To act justly and to live rightly. And so, all of these uh, themes that the prophets bring up they bring up with a, a very intentional purpose of helping the people recognize what matters. So, for instance, Amos here. Amos is, uh, he even says in his own words, I am not a prophet, which is funny because we call him one of the minor prophets. He says, I am not a prophet. I am just somebody here who is bringing a message of the Lord. Oh, wait, that's the definition of a prophet. So that my people can be treated fairly. And sure enough, he does. He brings this message that we heard earlier uh, in, uh, in Amos. I, uh, it starts out, and this is God speaking through Amos. And God says to the people, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melodies of your harp. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so this brings into question, what does God really care about? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever intentionally thought about that and sought to live according to that? What does God really care about? Today is an interesting day in the life of the, in the, life of the church. Uh, in the liturgical calendar, today is what's known as Trinity Sunday. Um, a Sunday in which we uh, recognize and commemorate and contemplate uh, that our God is three persons and one person. Uh, this great mystery, which is completely unexplainable except for um, in faith alone, but that recognizes uh, the 
the vast and incredible nature of God's work in our lives. And yet today, I'm choosing not to speak about the Trinity directly at all, aside from, you know, the words I've already said. Because Trinity Sunday, it's a liturgical calendar holiday or holy day, and in the midst of all that's going on in our world, I don't know that talking about the Trinity is going to make the kind of difference that we need in our world. Because you see, as God says, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Our holy days are meaningless without justice. And right now our world is in a mad scramble for justice. So what does God care about? I mean, whenever we're asking this question, we need to recognize all that we do for God. And so what I want you to do in this time, if you have a pencil and paper handy, or maybe you have your phone or tablet or something handy, I want you to start making a list right now. I want you to start making a list, and I want you to think through every single thing you do whether on a daily or weekly, monthly or even yearly basis, whatever you would like, every single thing that you do, that you do specifically for God. This could be anything like praying, tithing, uh, spending quiet time, spending time in the Bible, attending church, uh, you know, as long as you do those things for God and not for some other reason. Anything that you do specifically for God. And as you're making these lists, I want you to ask yourself, what difference does this make in my life or the lives of those around me? What difference does this make in, the, in my life or the lives of those around me? Now, what I'm not saying here, and I recognize it could be easily heard this way, I'm not saying that any of these things that we make a list of, uh, that any of these things are not important. They are important, and they do make a difference in our own uh, faith journey and perhaps beyond. But I want us to intentionally recognize it, to actually point it out to ourselves, to be able to say, this is what I do for God. And as you're making this list, I want to ask you another question. Do any of these things sound like they are just religious jargon? or stuff that we do because at some point in our lives in the church, we were told that's what we're supposed to do. Things like celebrating certain holy days or um, saying certain prayers or anything like that. Once again, I'm not saying that these aren't important, but I want us to recognize the words that God speaks through Amos. I hate I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs and the melodies of your harp. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The first couple of verses here in this passage from Amos point out the things that we as people do to try to honor God. Um, specifically things that were done in the Old Testament times. For example, festivals and solemn assemblies. Uh, in, in the Jewish calendar, it almost seems like there was a festival for everything. Just this past Sunday, we celebrated the Festival of Weeks, 
um, which celebrates the 50, uh, the 50 days after the Passover. Uh, there's, I mean, there are festivals all over the place. Festival of the Tabernacle, Festival of the Table, Festival, I mean, we, we can just keep on going. Uh, festivals for everything. And each one, each one of these festivals was meant to commemorate something that God had done for the people. For example, the festival last week, the Festival of Weeks, that was a time to celebrate and remember God giver, giving the Torah to the people. And yet God says, I hate, I despise your festivals. Another thing, the burnt offerings and the grain offerings and the offerings of well-being of the fatted animals. Uh, that was another part of religious ceremony for the Jewish people. There were different offerings that were brought to uh, the temple or to the site of worship that would be, um, that would be given to the Lord, uh, oftentimes is either a dedication to the priest there or uh, just a recognition to God for uh, some action. And these were very common things to do. There was an offering for just about everything. If you did something wrong, there was an offering for it. If you had a child, there was an offering for it. If you were getting married, there was an offering for it, uh, an offering for many different occasions in life. And here God is saying, even though you offer me these things, I will not accept them. I will not even look upon them. And then, take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. Oh, how much of our religious ceremonies are based around songs, the hymns that we sing, the music that's uh, ingrained in our religious culture. God says, I'm not even listening. Take it away. Why? Why do you think that is? Are these things bad? Are these things inherently wrong? The short answer to all of this is no, they're not. They're perfectly fine and reasonable and understandable and good things to participate in. But there's something missing. There's something that the people aren't doing. Even though they're doing all of these other things that they have been taught all their lives they're supposed to do, there's something missing. The people in their own communities are suffering. The people in their own communities are hurting, dying, and in many cases, it's the people who are leading these religious rituals who are the cause of it. Stealing land from one another, treating, other, treating one another as less than human. And so whenever God is saying, I, don't, I despise your festivals, I don't want your offerings, I won't listen to your music, God isn't saying that those things are wrong. God is saying that you're focusing on things that aren't helping the people around you. And the people around you are what matter to me. That's what God cares about. That is what God has always cared about, the people. Um, why else do you think we're all here? For some uh, reason beyond our comprehension, the love of God is for us, each and every one of us human beings. We are not here simply so God can have some robots who are just walking around shouting up praises. That's not who God is. We are here out of love, and we are expected to love in return, particularly to love one another. And we begin to see this even from the very beginning of our holy book in Genesis, the lesson that we talked about in the children's moment, in which God comes before Cain, asking where Abel is, and Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? 
Am I responsible for my brother's protection? And God says, what have you done? That's the words God says right after that. What have you done? Why have you failed to protect your brother? And I look out at a world around us, so many points in which we have failed to protect our brothers and sisters. What does God really care about? Verse 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That, uh, that little passage there might sound familiar to you. It's, uh, it's a passage that has often been attributed to uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in, uh, in uh, one of his uh, civil rights speeches. In fact, there's a, there's a monument here in Alabama that has these words, and it's attributed to, uh, to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, he didn't coin the phrase. You know, he did a fantastic job using it. But the phrase is much more ancient than we sometimes give it credit for. Almost 3,000 years ago, God is crying out to the Israelites, let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In other words, what God really wants, relentless, unending, unquenchable justice and righteousness in each of our lives. So why does God care about justice so much? Well, um, I mean, the, the short answer is, uh, can be even found in, uh, in, our, in the United States' very founding documents, that all people are created equally. Um, we could start there, but to kind of uh, take, uh, I don't know, patriotic politics out of it, God brings human beings into the world through other human beings. It is through God's love that we are brought here. And any time a single human being as tre is treated as less than a human being, and what I mean whenever I say that is any time an individual is treated like less than another, hu another individual um, anywhere else in the world, any time one of God's own is treated like less than, we are essentially saying to God, you're not worth it. Perhaps you recall um, even Jesus speaking in the book of Matthew later on, whenever uh, Jesus talks about the end of days and there's the, this mass gathering in front of him and he's sorting out the sheep from the goats, uh, those to his left and those to his right. And Jesus says, what you have done to the least of these, you have done to me. Remember that each and every one of us, every human being on the face of this planet, is an image of the divine, a very image of God present here among us. And any time we take that image in vain, we disgrace the very holiness of God. And we essentially say to God, you're not worth it. And that breaks the heart of God because God's love is for every single one of us. For every single one of us. For every single person on the face of this planet. 
the billions, the trillions who have been and who are yet to come. God's love is for us all. And I cannot believe that we, that I, would be so arrogant, would have the audacity to look upon another human being and think of them any less than as being an image of the divine. God demands justice. In other words, God's, God demands that each and every person be treated equitably, that each and every person be treated justly and rightly, and that our lives align with that love of God. This is what God really cares about. This is why I have chosen not to uh, speak directly about Trinity Sunday today, because today, our world is hurting. Our brothers and sisters are hurting, crying out for justice. And too often we just sit there shaking our heads, rolling our eyes, because we fail to understand the magnitude of the love of God that is trying to break through in our world this very moment with an air of justice and righteousness for all. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let me say that again. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I need to ask us all something, myself included. Where are we in that river? What role have we accepted in this flowing justice and righteousness that God is calling upon? If we are simply rocks in the way of the river, I'm gonna tell you right now, we're gonna get worn down because that's what water does. It wears rocks down. If we are simply obstacles damming up this river, God's gonna clear us out. God is demanding justice and righteousness flowing like waters we've never seen before. And God is demanding it now. And so I have to ask, what does this now mean for us? What are we being called to? You may find this different in your life than I might find in mine. Each person may find a different response in their own. But I want you to look back at that list that we, taught, that we made earlier just a few minutes ago, that list of things that you have said you've done for God. And what I want you to do is add one more thing to that list right now. I want you to think right now about one way that you can stand up for justice and righteousness in the name of God in our community. One way. Maybe that's advocating for people who are treated differently in our community. Maybe that means standing up to somebody else who is talking down to another person. Maybe that just means listening. Listening to those whose voices have been unheard for far too long now. But whatever that might look like for you in your life, write it down today. 
Make this commitment to God that this is what I am bringing to you, Lord. I will stand in the stream of justice and righteousness, not as an obstacle, but as another drop of water ready to rush through this world, cleansing and bringing the love of God. So that's my challenge for you this week. Figure out what that is. That one thing that you could put down today that's that's saying, I'm here to stand for justice and righteousness because this is the very heart of God. And if you don't believe me, and I imagine there's at least one person out there listening right now who thinks that I'm just full of hot air right now. If you don't believe me, either one, stay tuned to the rest of these messages as we go through the rest of uh, a couple of more of the minor prophets, and you'll hear it again. Or, I don't know, maybe just read the Bible for yourself. Read the Bible and recognize that at every single point along the way, God is more concerned with the way that we treat each other than the way that we worship God. Because the way that we treat each other is a way we worship God. And so I offer this message today in solidarity with my brothers and sisters across the globe who today stand for justice and righteousness. I hope that you will join me as we stand with them. Let us pray.